بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم اللهم صل وسلم على سيدنا محمد وعلى ال سيدنا محمد وبارك وسلم رب اشرح لي صدري ويسر لي امري واحلل عقده من لساني يفقهوا قولي سبحانك لا علم لنا الا ما علمتنا سبحانك لا علم لنا الا ما علمتنا سبحانك لا علم لنا الا ما علمتنا اللهم صل وسلم على سيدنا محمد وعلى ال سيدنا محمد وبارك وسلم اللهم علمنا ما ينفعنا وانفعنا بما علمتنا وزدنا علما وعملا اللهم وفقنا لما تحب وترضى من قولي والعمل والنيه والهدى انك على كل شيء قدير Amin Rabbil Alameen. Dear brothers and sisters, dear listeners, Assalamu Alaikum Warahmatullahi Wabarakatuh. Request the brothers who are participating in the tafsir, inshallah, if you can please uh, make your way up and sit as close as possible. Jazakumullah khaira. Inshallah, your step forward is a step towards Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and renew our niyyah and intention when we come. Besides performing salat al-isha with jama'ah that we're here to seek ilm, we're here to connect ourselves with the book of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and we're listening with the niyyah and we're speaking with the niyyah that we need to hear it and speak and to the most there's no one more needing needy of the words to understand the words of Allah than myself so I'm a talib every single one of us has to be a talib a seeker and uh, we need to be sincere in our seeking of knowledge we need to be have we need to have this desire that we're here to build our personal relationship with the Quran so that we become uh, people who are deserving of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's mercy and that we are people who Allah azza wa will use to uh, guide others and show the path to others as well so the more niyyah that we make the varied levels of niyyah you should make the niyyah of i'tikaf as well while you're sitting here and you make niyyah of propagating what you're hearing you're making niyyah of uh, uh, of steadfastness, attending regularly. You make niyyah of uh, sharing what you what you hear with your family, of practicing on it, and you make niyyah of becoming a sadaqa jariya for Rasulullah That you want to become a source of joy for the Prophet while you sit here, because at the end of the day, we're part of his ummah. So when we do good, the rewards of it will go to Rasulullah So make that niyyah that you want to be a source of sadaqa jariya for the Prophet and you want to be a sadaqa jariya for. Uh, your own parents and your teachers and things of that sort so as many intentions we make the better so we are now here on our last few verses of Surah Ahzab Alhamdulillah the 20th session that we're having on this beautiful surah which began and the emphasis was from the very beginning when we chose the surah on the status of Rasulullah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam to understand his uh, place and to understand his status and to see how how the Quran uh, defends the Prophet Alaihissalatu Salam and when from those who choose to attack him. The last verse that we were on last week was when Allah Azawajal says, Oh believers, do not be like the ones who have um, who have tried to harm Musa alayhi salatu wasalam. Right? Who have maligned Musa with a false charge. Yet Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala vindicated him of what they said, for he was in the sight of Allah ever eminent. So the point, the take-home point from that was is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is teaching a lesson to the ummah of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa that you need to ensure that you do not falsely accuse anyone. You do not, we don't falsely accuse anyone about, regarding any aspect of their life. Uh, we have a tongue, we can say whatever we want right now. But definitely a time will come when Allah azza wa will exonerate people from those false accusations, and the one who said that will have to pay the hefty price. Uh, the 
actual pain, that if you wanted to inflict pain on a prophet, you know, there's physical pain, there's emotional pain, but there's no greater pain for a prophet than to belie his message. Belying his message is the most painful because he knows where you're headed. You're belying and then this is your pathway towards hellfire. So this was the accusations against the prophets of them being imposters, in being, of them being fake, false, liars, poet, poets, or, or uh, you know, fortune tellers, and things of, the, uh, things of this sort. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is, is informing us, the ummah of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam that make sure you do not treat your prophet the way the previous nations treated their prophets, and the way even Prophet Nabi Musa was made fun of, was belied, uh, what his, his, his da'wah was challenged by people. And uh, eventually, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala made Musa salam the winner. It became very clear. And in the akhirah, people will, will come to realize that they were fools to stand up against the da'wah of Musa salam. So we need to ensure that we don't do that. One other thing here is that when we understand that just because if I say something is like something else, doesn't change it. If I, I pick up a, a piece of wood and I say this is gold, I can say all I want, but it really does not become gold even though I may say it a hundred times. And people may actually believe in what I'm saying because, it, because everyone's saying it. But it doesn't change the haqiqah. It doesn't change the reality of it. So if someone speaks ill about someone, someone falsely accuses someone of something, we need to tell ourselves again and again that these false accusations does not change who you are. Does not, if you're being accused of something that you didn't do, even if the whole world gathers together and accuses you of that, it doesn't make a difference. It should not make a difference because it makes us realize that People will continue to say whatever they want. We have no control over their tongues. But our jism, our haqiqa, our ruh is, is here. If we know deep down that we haven't committed XYZ sin, or not, we haven't done what people are accusing us of doing, then a person needs to remain content and need to realize that people have always accused even the, subhanAllah, the best of the best people. The prophets who, you know, someone, sometimes you say, I can't believe he or she would said something to me, even though I've done so much for that person. I've been, I've been, I went out of my way to help that person. And that's, a, you know, say in Urdu, namak haram. That's a person who's come and been a backstabber. I can't, I'm from, if anyone else would have done it, I would have accepted it. How is it this person? And we learn that this is, there's no one who has helped anyone else more than a prophet has helped his ummah. There's no one who's cared about his any, uh, people about his sibling. You cannot do more for your sibling than the Prophet did for, for me and you and for any ummati. So when that's what the ummah did to the Prophets, not just Prophet ﷺ, but all Prophets, then what, why should we expect any better from the people? That's why studying the stories of the Prophets is such a beautiful way to console ourselves when we go through difficult times. And we see that, you know, they have, people, have not, people have chosen not to uh, people have not. People have not left Allah Azza wa Jalla. Just today, we heard that yesterday the news of us of that individual who made fun of Rasulullah and made a cartoon. Right? Perfect example. What a what a day we're hearing about that. Just yesterday, and it was, was under uh, you know po- a police uh, protection for a past what uh, almost fifteen years, fifteen plus years under police protection. Because Na'udhu Billahi took a, made a picture, a cartoon of a pig with Rasulullah's, you know, fake picture of a, a figure of Rasulullah on top of that. La'idhu Billah. So he thought he attacked Rasulullah. This is exactly what this, we speak on this ayah. He did idha. You're trying to harm the image of Rasulullah. Not physically here, but trying to create a, 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 a uh, turn people away from the, from the, man, from the deen of Rasulullah by drawing this image. What happened? 
he burns in a car accident, right? Him and his police, the, the security also died and he also died. And within this world, Allah Azza wa Jalla showed. And it's interesting, if that just happened and no one knew about it, okay. The fact that this is on the front page of every major news outlet, is, that's an interesting thing. And they're actually tiling it like that. <laughs> SubhanAllah, I feel so ajeeb how Allah SWT making these news outlets do this. No one, we wouldn't have to even know about it. He would have just died. But the fact that they're highlighting it, the cartoonist of Muhammad, the one who made fun of Muhammad, this is how he dies. The disbelievers themselves are saying this. Right? And they're having full, full articles on it. It's so ironic that they themselves are kind of proving the point that you know, Allah Azza wa Jal will ensure haq uh, will, will stand firm and will will wala yu'la The haq will, will prevail and sometimes it happens in the hereafter, sometimes Allah Azza wa Jal shows it right here of what, what will happen in terms of people or anyone who chooses to go against Allah Azza wa Jal. In reality, going against the Prophet والسلام, or going against any of the Prophets, blasphemy against any of the Prophets is what? It's a blasphemy against God Himself. It is an attack against God. And why will Allah Azza wa Jal just sit there and not avenge himself? He may choose to give time, he may choose to give respite as it comes in hadith in Allah Zalim Hatta that indeed Allah Azza wa Jal sometimes gives respite to an oppressor. He gives him respite. However, when he chooses to then reel him in, then he doesn't let him go. Once he gets him on the hook, he will not let him go. No matter how much you cry and scream and wail, you're not gonna get off the hook now. This is the tartib, the method how Allah Azza wa Jal works. So the best is that we learn from others. Instead of waiting for, for us to be under the hook, we look at people who have lost everything. And we say, that can happen to me. That can happen to any of us. We learn. We don't think of ourselves to be superior to anyone. Even someone who dies in kufr. We don't sit there and we mock at them. We say, This is sad. This person is going to be in hellfire forever, whoever they may be. But I, I could also go that direction because I don't know what my khatama is going to be on. I don't know what's my ending going to be on. We cannot be haughty and arrogant and, and complacent about the condition of our iman today. It may, it may leave us at any given time. There's just something important to keep in mind. When we speak about others and other situations, make sure that it does not lead to a sense of comfort and uh, self-confidence um, where a person begins to think that, you know, shame, shame on them and, you know, and nothing will happen to me. That, that is the beginning of our downfall when we think like that. When we see people sinning, faltering. Today is, is an era of scandals. Every single day is a new one. Every single namaz, every single salah is another one that you hear about. When you hear these things, what should, what should our response be? That may Allah Azza wa Jal protect me and may Allah guide them and protect them, grant them forgiveness. But never allow us to think that what's wrong with the people? How horrible people are? What's, you know, that same shaitan that got them has most definitely the ability to get me. And to get anyone. So we should keep, never keep our guard down. Instead, allow these incidents to bring uh, an awakeness, a wakefulness within us. But there is, there is hope that a person who's going through a difficult time, when people are accusing him of something, you understand that Allah Azza wa Jal eventually will vindicate, vindicate you from what you have been accused of. Allah says that he had a very honorable status with Allah. He was very eminent. So similarly, a believer is also very eminent. A believer, a mu'min, he has also a very high status. So we need to ensure that we try our level best, that we stay far away from any type of scenario in which we would be falsely accused of something. 
Right? That is something we need to be mindful of. That let's not be found in the wrong place at the wrong time. Right? Because it's just going to create reasons for people doubting us. So that's why a person should lead such an imp- impeccable life that even if someone were to try their best to accuse you of something, then they won't be able to do so. And if they do so, it should sound so off track that no one will believe them. That's why Nabi والسلام, the Quran says, وَمَا صَاحِبُكُمْ بِمَجْنُونَ Allah says, your companion is not majnoon. Your companion, he's with you. You've been with him for 40 years. You tell me, is he majnoon? Are you really going to believe these disbelievers of Makkah who say he's majnoon? He's been with you, sahib. He's a suhba. Companionship of yours for past 40 years. When was the last time in these past 40 years you saw him doing something out of line, out of ordinary, that was weird, that gave you, you know, this concept that maybe he's not all there. Never. So, if a person leads a very impeccable life in which he is most trustworthy, has the best character, doesn't do any type of, you know, uh, under the table business that's for the believer that's what we need to do lead such an impeccable life that even the Muslim non-Muslim everyone will not be able to say anything subhanAllah I saw a short uh, clip I didn't even watch the whole thing of, of one of the, the famous Guantanamo Bay prisoners meeting with his um, prison warden or the guard that was guarding him in, in Guantanamo Bay right, this is like three years ago uh, the, this interview and apparently I mean, I listened just to a couple minutes of it. Apparently, he invited him to the UK, invited him to spend the night at his house. You heard of this, what I'm talking about? No one? Okay. So, th- he, this is, um, uh, he runs a very famous website. And he's, um, he was wrongfully convicted and thrown there. And alhamdulillah, he was released afterwards. So, he invited this non-Muslim U.S. soldier who was guarding him back to UK, had an interview with him, which is, you know, millions of views, and he invited him to spend the night at his house. So that's how he starts off his interview. He's like, what do you think? Can you tell us? It's been 10 years. Uh, you were guarding me, and today I'm hosting you, and you're pretty much under, you know, my lock and key, because <laughs> yeah, you're in my house. How does it feel like? So, like, what does he say? He said, you know, uh, I, I, I try to treat you like a human, because no one was charged at that time. But the more I spend time with you, I began to realize that, man, you're a really special person. The more I spend time guarding you and speaking with you, your character is what really uh, shined beyond everything. And I was like, man, a man with this character, with this type of way of doing things, the way you were respecting me, subhanAllah, the way you're speaking with me with respect and dignity, I was floored. There's not, that's not a nice place to be, you know, you don't want to be respectful to anyone after you're being falsely accused of so many things. This ayah, subhanAllah, look at this man. Look at how I just thought of this and how he's connected with this. Falsely accused of being a terrorist, of the worst of the worst, and thrown into the worst prison. But when Allah Azza wa Jal willed, He exonerated him. And exonerated him in such a manner that now the prisoner is sitting on the other, the warden and the guard is sitting on the other side. He's feeling also ashamed. Like, my God, what, what's going on? It seems like in, when you listen to this interview, you realize where's the power dynamic? Who's in charge of this conversation now? Who's in charge of this conversation, right? Is it, is it the, the, this accused prisoner uh, or is it this guard? And you realize obviously, subhanAllah, that this ex-prisoner, ex-convict or ex-prisoner is someone who is, mashallah, has got the upper hand of this conversation, right? And the world is watching. Allah Azza wa Jal exonerated him. But what was one key thing? Is that it, not doing things that will allow you to be ever doubted 
So it's some, some yani sto- story from the Quran, story from the Hadith, and an actual story right now I'm telling you. That every one of us, young and old, needs to live as citizens, such upright citizens, that Allah forbid if someone chooses to accuse us of anything, then the people who are closest to you, that your co-workers, your uh, employers, your employees, your neighbors, they're the ones who should stand up and be able to vouch and say, you know what? I don't care what the world says. I've been staying with this person for 15 years. I've been staying with this person for 20 years. Whatever evidence you say, I'm not going to believe that. Because this can easily be fake. And this can be doctored. But this is, this is an individual I know too well. How does that happen? That happens when we lead scrupulous lives. Every day. 24-7. As though we're living a life that is being scrutinized by a camera that is being watched in court. That's the way we should lead our life. That Allah is watching. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is watching us. And we need to make sure that we are not doing something which is uh, going, that we're going to have to pay a price for later on. So Nabi alayhi salatu wasalam. Nabi alayhi salatu wasalam, he mentioned in hadith, okay, he was walking and two companions of his, Ansari companions were walking at night. And they saw him with his wife Safiya radiallahu anha. Famous story. And so, uh, Nabi alayhi salatu wasalam told these two companions, Ala rislikima, hold on, hold on, stop. Innaha Safiya bintu Huyay. Indeed, she is Safiya, the daughter of Huyay. So these two companions said, Subhanallah, in amazement, Ya Rasulullah, why, why are you saying this? Why are you trying to clarify your position? Why are you trying to clarify your position? Why would, how would we ever think that this is a, uh, an inappropriate relationship or inappropriate walking between you and some other female? He's the Nabi of Allah. Right? He could say, if you think of it, you know, you're destroyed or whatever the case is. But no, he said, I'm going to be honest. I'll just, I'm going to clarify. This is my wife. You know, sometimes Allah forgive me and forgive all of us. We have this attitude that I'm above being questioned. No one, I'm not going to even explain myself. How dare you even, how dare you even give me a chance to explain myself? Because I'm above having to explain myself. Isn't that interesting? Well, you're not about, you and I are not above the Prophet ﷺ. If someone thinks that we need to explain where did this money come from, Fine, explain it. Or why, where did we get this from? It's okay, it's not, it is, you and I are not above anyone's, any law. And here you have Nabi sitting here and explaining who she is. So let's not take it as a personal attack. Let's not think of ourselves to be, uh, you know, not capable of being questioned or asked. Alright? You see what I'm trying to say? There's a clipboard that's being uh, uh, moved around here. Please, inshallah, if you could... Uh, uh, if you didn't already sign in outside, that's what it is for. So just sign in for tafsir. And the benefit of that, like I said last week, is so that we have a, a closer group of, uh, you know, a, a closer way of connecting with our attendees. So inshallah, like today we're going to have a, we already started a poll. So those who are registered can, can inshallah, give their opinions about what, what's the next surah going to be. And plus, if you have questions, which I do have, I'll answer at the end from last week. Please ask questions related to the dars. If, if not, there is, we have a proper Dalul Ifta, Alhamdulillah, and you can ask questions, uh, you know, there I'll share the link with you. And so, you know, that's just one thing I wanted to do. We do have a proper way of answering questions, but that's through, not through this dust, that's through the Dalul Ifta that we have over here. So, if you didn't already check in or register, please do so. Um, so, Nabi alayhi salatu wasalam, he is now answering these people. He, he answers them and he says, 
Indeed, shaitan flows through the veins of the son of Adam the way blood flows through the veins. The way blood flows through the veins. And I was afraid that shaitan would put some evil thoughts in your mind. Everyone heard that? What did he say? Indeed, shaitan flows through your veins the way blood flows through your veins. And I was afraid that shaitan would cast doubts and evil in your minds. That is why I'm clarifying my position. My beloved brothers, this is such a beautiful hadith to contemplate and think. The evil ability of shaitan that Allah has given him to put doubts in the minds of people. Misconceptions in the minds of people. We need to understand this. Nabi Wasallam is not hating on these sahabi. He loves, these are my Ansari, Sahabi. But I am, I'm warning you from something that's out there, lurking in the dark, that's called shaitan. You are beautiful people, you would never think about your prophet like this. I'm not accusing you, because that's another thing. If I clarify myself, the other person may get offended. Oh, what you think about me? You think I would ever thought about that? You think I would think evil about you? What are you thinking about me? Now you see, it becomes, you're trying to just clarify your position, and now it turns into a bigger mess. And that's what shaitan does. This is what he's, he's, this is what he's a mastermind of. Mastermind of miscommunication. This is one of the greatest tactics of how he creates fights, arguments, and mishaps between people. Between husband and wife. Between business partners. Between uh, friends. Is to create a misconception, miscommunication. Don't we see this every day? Every single day. You know how many people, like if you ask these marriages that are falling apart, by what's the root cause of it? You look and you listen, you sit there and you, you don't know, should you tr cry or should you chuckle? Like, what, do you, what is this? What are you talking about? This is like kids, little kids getting married and divorcing each other. Like, this is what it is. There's no reality, no haqiqah to it. Haba'a manthura, it's just fake. It's just pure misconception. But they're so strongly rooted in their misconceptions that they're not willing to even listen to anyone who's trying to even explain the situation. I have dealt with this too many times. And it's, I'm pulling my hair. And I've, I've told these people sometimes. I said, Wallahi, like, you know what? I don't even know I have words to explain to you. Like how you all just misunderstanding. It might just take a couple of decades. And you're going to sit there and cry. Why you ruined your marriage. You left these kids without, you know, without, within a broken home for no real reason. There's no real reason why you all shouldn't get along. There's no reason. But just because, you know, misconcept, misunderstanding, and then your ego comes in. And you're like, no. If I say that I misunderstood you, that means I have to be humble and I have to acknowledge that I made a mistake. I don't want to do that. So I'd rather end up getting a divorce, leaving my kids without, without a mom, without a dad, just because of the what? The ego. So this is happening all over. Listen, this is happening everywhere. Too many places. Every other person's fighting with the other person. Everywhere. All over the place. In half of the time, or more than half of the time, there's no real reason. It's just misconception. And you say, is it really that possible? Yeah, shaitan, exactly, that's what, he, well, that's what he's an expert of doing. He's an expert of creating misrepresentation of facts. You see something and your mind goes to someone else. Someone's putting a box of money over there and he's like, oh, he was stealing. It's like, what? Where did you get that from? For example. Right? All sorts of bigger problems. He, someone is looking, someone was waving by to someone. He's like, oh, you have a personal relationship with her. For example. All kinds of things happen between spouses. Sometimes I've seen it in, in phones. Spouses misunderstanding each other's mess, uh, their spouse's message. He was messaging, a, uh, you know, a, 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 
whoever, a contractor or messaging, and someone's wife responded, someone's husband responded, and small things like that. Oh, how dare you did this? That's it. I want a divorce. Probably listen to the story, man. Please, listen to the story. And understand that you're great, she's great. He's great, she's great. But we have one massive evil in the room, and that's Iblis. And Iblis wants to create this misunderstandings. You're giving a field day to Iblis while fighting with each other. So remember this from the hadith of the Prophet ﷺ. That Allah has given shaitan this ability to flow through our veins and create waswasa, whispering. Whispers. So when you hear these whispers, when you think evil about your mom and dad, when you think evil about your spouse, when you get angry at your kids, when you get angry at your beloved one, then you say, I used to love this person. Why all of a sudden I hate this person? Ask yourself this, why? Why do I have such ill feelings towards this individual? And when they didn't even do anything, for Allah's sake, at least that time, you know, read two rakat salah, sit down, cry in front of Allah, do istighfar and say, Allah, get me out of this mess. My be beloved friends, I'm emphasizing this because this is, this is what's going on all over. Just like we say, when someone has a waswasa about Allah, then go, don't sit there and open up a philosophy book and go sign up for a world religions class or philosophy religions. No. Go do wudu, uh, pray two rakat salah, read, قُلْ آمَنْتُ بِاللَّهِ You know, آمَنْتُ بِاللَّهِ, آمَنْتُ بِاللَّهِ and then astaghfirullah, you, you, you reaffirm your iman with Allah, say istighfar and raise your hands and cry. Ya Allah, I'm going through a phase right now. I can't handle this. I'm going through a phase. The example of waswasa about Allah is like someone is driving through whiteout conditions and that gets on black ice. Do you have control over the car? You, you can have the best car in the world. It doesn't make a difference. When you're on black ice and whiteout conditions, you have no control. Ya Allah, save me. Ya Rabbi Sallim. You could be the greatest scholar of the area. You could be someone who taught people how to de deconstruct atheism. But when this attack comes, you have no control over yourself. You don't. You just have to humble yourself in front of Allah and say, Allah, I'm slipping. And no one can hide me, save me besides you. So similarly, similarly, when we start having bad thoughts about our spouse, waswasas about our spouse, about our parents, my dear friends, yeah, so many people are angry at their dads. So many people are angry at their moms. So many people are angry at their wives. So many people are angry at their husbands, etc., etc. We need to tell ourselves, go to the masjid, same thing. Go to the masjid or go to your musalla in your house, do wudu, pray two rakat salah, and go down in front of Allah and say, Allah, I don't know why this is happening to me. I need you to save me. I need you to save me from having these, entertain, entertaining these evil thoughts about my mother, about my father, about my, my wife, about my husband. This bull, this adawa, this anger, I don't know where it's coming from. It's unfounded. She really is not that evil of a lady. Or he's not that evil of a man. He's been so kind. Why am I taking this out of context? You know why? Because you're under the attack of shaitan right now. So when you're under the attack of shaitan, you have to read A'ud Billahi Min Shaitan Rajeem and then beg Allah to save your car. Be able to put your car, the brakes are not engaged right now. They can't engage because you're on black ice. Can't see anything. The, only a miracle can stop you from landing into the ditch. And that's Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala when He wants to save that marriage. He will allow you to see what's going on. So remember these things. When next time we go through a rage of anger towards someone, Remind yourself, okay, this guy is good, this girl is good, I'm also good. We got no problem. The evil one is shaitan. Let us stop hating on each other and start hating on huh? shaitan. Because the Quran says that. Inna shaitan lakum mubin. Inna shaitan lakum Indeed, shaitan is your clear enemy. Indeed, shaitan is your enemy, so make him your enemy. Why is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala telling us again and again? that make him into enemy. Because most people don't recognize the hidden powers Allah has given him. And they just fall right into that trap without recognizing, you know, 
what type of things he's doing. So waswasa is really strong. And today, every other person has got waswasa, by the way. You know, I was just speaking to a psychiatrist uh, the other day. And he was telling me, by he was meeting how a Muslim youngster, 16-year-old, uh, you know, is, is having such a hard time doing wudu, such a hard time praying salah, that they just stop praying now. They stop doing wudu, stop praying salah. I says, no point. Every single time, I have to repeat, 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 repeat. So I was telling Dr. Saab, the psychiatrist, that you know, the amount of patients you see, if not equivalent, at least I probably see half of the number of patients you're seeing on a, on a, daily, on a daily basis. Because everyone is going through psychological problems right now. And there's such a strong connection between ruhaniyah and psychological problems, between the loss of ruhaniyah, between a shaitani attack and psychological problem. I've, you know, this, is, this is something I've spoken about with many other psychiatrists as well. The number of psychiatric disorders that they say uh, the psychiatrists have told me that are treatable through medication or through are manageable or tr- treatable are about 40%. Okay, 40%, not even 50%, 40%. So what, where's the rest of the 60% going? Like what's, what's this whole science about? And one way to explain that is that there is a very strong connection between the amal of shaitan and uh, the uh, you know, chemical imbalances in the brain. And so the Quran talks about mas min shaitan. What is that ayah of riba? Yatakabatu shaitanu min al mas. Mas means touching. Shaitan comes and touches you. Shaitan comes and slaps you. This is what we're talking about, like junoon. What is craze? What is, what is when you lose your mind? Besides the physiological aspects of it, we're talking about from a ruhani aspect of it, it's many times to be a, be a mas min shaitan. It will be something that shaitan comes and attacks an individual. So we're seeing OCD come out in so many forms today. And from what time? From Rasulullah's times. There are clear hadith that actually named the shaitan. I don't have it, I don't remember right now. But it's in, it's in Mishkat al-Masabi, you know, the, also the hadith is there in, in Kitab al-Tahara, I think so, or in the first, one of the few first books. Uh, of the fact that when a person is in wudu, then a shaitan comes and whispers. And, uh, and when a person is in salah, a shaitan comes and whispers. The actual genre or the type of shaitan, the name of that is mentioned by Rasulullah That many years ago, Nabi Allah already told us that this is amal min shaitan. Shaitan comes and tries to mess you in your wudu, tries to mess you in your salah. So what happens? Then you say, forget this man. I can't take this anymore. So while taking therapy and medication for all these problems that people may be going through, because I know this is beneficial advice to, to so many out there, take the therapy, take the medication if it's, if it's recommended. But along with that, also use the spiritual medication, right? Connect yourself with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and cry to Allah. One of the nice things that the other day Dr. Shadi was mentioning was really nice. That you know what, when you, when you do dua, you cannot be insincere. You could be insincere in your la ilaha illallah, la ilaha illallah, doing dhikr out loud. Everyone's like, oh, mashallah, is a very Sufi person. But when you sit there in, alone and you're making dhikr, when you're begging Allah for help, how could you be insincere? You're begging Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, ya Allah, please. Even if you're speaking in your own language or you're not even moving your mouth and your lips and you're speaking in your heart. That's super sincere. Dua is powerful. So anyone who's going through any type of psychological issues, along with all the other things they're using, I highly would recommend that they use the, 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 uh, the ruqya, shari'ya, reading manzil, reading 30 verses of the Qur'an that have been collected by our mashayikh that includes, you know, Surah Al-Fatiha, Ayatul Kursi, Ma'awudhatain, last final verses of Surah Al-Nur, etc., etc. These are things, every one of you should know this. Manzil, go download it, PDF. Manzil, right? Make your sons and daughters 
read it. Make yourself and your spouse read it every single day. If you can, read it once in the morning, once in the evening. Along with your morning and evening adhkar. Along with the morning and evening adhkar, make a habit of reading manzil. Didn't we speak about this before? Huh? Last session, last tafsir maybe, another previous surah. Man, uh, yes, so make a habit. Anyone have a habit of reading it? Anyone? Okay, alhamdulillah, few. MashaAllah, good, good. Alright, so the rest of us, please, this is your protection. You know, this is your, not just a vitamin. It's way more than your daily vitamin. It's your, it's your daily antidote. You know, it's your daily vaccine from so much evil out there. Make a habit and teach our children as well. Every morning before you go to school, re recite the 30 verses of the Qur'an. This is, the, this is such a powerful way. The Nabi ﷺ, before he would go to bed, he would recite his, you know, ma'awidatain, and on, in some riwayats, قُلْ يَا الْكَافِرُونَ قُلْ اللَّهَاتِ قُلْ عَذِفَلَا قُلْ عَذِفَلَا Blow on his uh, hands and wipe his body. Yeah? Wipe his over his body as a protection. So similarly, these 30 verses include those four. It's included part of it. But it's an additional other verse of the Qur'an that a person should make a habit of reciting, blowing in his hands and wiping over his body. And inshallah, that will be a great protection. So people who are going through psychological issues, this is one of the many treatments that they should also adhere to, along with other things. SubhanAllah. So many things to discuss. We ask Allah Azza wa Jal to, uh, you know, cure all of us from our spiritual illnesses, from our physical illnesses, from our mental illnesses. Amin Rabbil Alameen. The next ayah Allah Azza wa Jal says, O believers, fear Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Be ever fear God, be ever God fearing. Thus say always a forthright word. Say the right things. Say the right things. Okay, ayah 71. If you say the right things, what's gonna happen? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala shall set your deeds aright. Allah will make your deeds come right. Number one. Number two. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will forgive your sins. Number three, Allah says, وَمَنْ يُتِعِ اللَّهُ رَسُولَهُ Whoever obeys Allah and His Messenger, فَقَدْ فَازَ فَوْزًا عَظِيمًا he shall, most, he, he shall have truly triumphed a most magnificent triumph in this life and the hereafter. So in this ayah, very famous ayah, you've heard it in where? Where, where have we heard this before? Khutbas? Specifically what type of khutbas did you hear it? Yeah, you want to Allah, Come on. Nikah. Hmm? Nikah. All right. We always, <clears throat> we always hearing it in the Nikah. This is known as the Khutbatul Haja. Khutbatul Haja. The Prophet ﷺ, he taught the khutbah you're supposed to say at the time of need. What's the time of need? Buying and selling. Marriage, transactions, all sorts of things. Even at that time, Rasulullah taught us what that dhikr should be. So from that dhikr is after praising Allah, sending salutations upon the Prophet saying the shahadatain, and then you recite these verses. What are the three verses that we recite? It's not only for nikah, it's called khutbatul haja. It's not specific to marriage. It's for any time when you have something going on, a transaction or whatnot. And you recite those three verses, and all three verses remind us about what concept? Hmm? Taqwa. 
Right? All three verses are about taqwa. Ya This one over here. And then the ayah from Surah An-Nisa. Ya Ayyunasutakurabakumalihalakakuminafsiwahida So those the all three verses are related to taqwa in God consciousness. So this is one of those verses. Right? That Allah Azza wa Jal is very oft quoted ayah and Rasulullah would teach the Sahaba as well about this. That oh you believe, be God fearing. Right? A reminder to all of us that we need to always be reminded. We all need to be reminded on a continuous basis to fear Allah. It's not an insult to me. It's not an insult to you. It's a mere reminder. We need to remind ourselves. Every single khutbah, every single gathering, Nabi Alaihi is saying, is teaching us to remind one another that Allah is watching. Right? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is watching. And as if we just get this aspect right, my beloved brothers, then our life is set. If I can teach my son, my daughter, to, f- to be God conscious, I don't need to teach anything else. Everything will come by itself. But if we teach them everything, we make them into a scholar of deen, we make them into a hafidh al-Quran, we make them dress in a certain manner. But if we are not successful in, 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 the, in teaching them how to recognize the existence of Allah and make themselves feel that Allah is with me watching, then unfortunately we have failed. That is why when we ask them to be obedient, make sure we explain to them that we're asking you to be obedient not because of me but because of Allah Azza wa Jal. And I'm alive today telling you this, tomorrow I'm not going to be here. Don't do it for me. Don't do it because the teacher said it. Don't do it because your parents said it. Don't do it because you're in this environment. Yeah, that's all additional nice reasons to do it. But the real reason is you're responsible in front of Allah. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will ask you and realize that Allah is watching over what you're doing. Number one, fear Allah Azza wa Jal. And then speak the right, right. So this ayah here, my beloved friends, is pretty much all of deen. Right? This ayah, ayah 70 of Surah Al-Ahzab, is, a, is, a, is the, the gist of the deen. The deen is of two things. Knowing Allah and obedience to Allah. Right? Knowing Him and obedience to Him. That a person cannot obey Him unless he knows Him. And, and once we properly know Him, it will most definitely create within us the desire to worship Him. So before we can start speaking correctly, what do we have to have? We have to have the correct aqidah, the correct belief system. If we have the correct belief system, we will speak pr- appropriately. If not, our tongue will be a loose cannon. So that's why taqwa has been mentioned first. Spe- fear Allah, that's your correct aqidah. Once the aqidah is correct, then, inshallah, it will move on to the next thing, which is speaking things that are appropriate and correct and not offline. We are reminded that we've been created for Jannah. And Jannah has been created for us. And the price for Jannah is good deeds. Allah Azza wa says in the Quran, jannata bima kuntum ta'malun. Enter Jannah in lieu of what the good, the good deeds you used to do. Or the good that you used to do. Or the actions you used to do. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has made it very clear that Jannah is one of the means of entering paradise. Obviously the asal mean, the real means behind that is what? The mercy of Allah. Yes. But the apparent reason and the apparent sabab is good deeds. And good deeds a person cannot achieve without knowledge. Without ilm, you cannot do good deeds. You have to know what are the good deeds to be able to do it. And once you start doing it, then you'll become worthy of paradise. This is something we need to understand. That studying of deen is so important. 
Why is it that there's no emphasis on, the, uh, on studying Islam and deen in our societies? Alhamdulillah, those are who are present here. You value deen, that's why on a weeknight you're sitting here. May Allah continue to increase you in all facets of your life. But we need to take this from here and take it out. That in our families and everywhere else, we have to put the emphasis of Islamic education. That without ilm, a person cannot possibly think he's going to get close to Allah Azza wa Jalla. Because you'll never know how to worship Him. That's why Imam Shafi'i rahmatullahi alayhi, a beautiful statement, he said, إِذَا أَرَدْتَ الدُّنْيَا فَعَلَيْكَ بِالْعِلْمِ وَإِذَا أَرَدْتَ الْآخِرَةِ فَعَلَيْكَ بِالْعِلْمِ وَإِذَا أَرَدْتَهُمَا فَعَلَيْكَ بِالْعِلْمِ If you want a dunya, go seek knowledge. If you want the akhirah, go seek knowledge. If you want both of them, go seek knowledge. Right? What, if, whatever you want, if you want both of them together, you need to have ilm with you. Right? So through ilm, a person will begin to recognize what is the proper way of me to please Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. The next thing is, once we learn how to speak appropriately, I mean, now one thing to say is that when you see someone speaking inappropriately to their parents, or backbiting, or cheating, or lying, and stuff like that, what are you going to say? The real thing is that there's no taqwa in the heart. That's why this is happening. You know? Asal if there's no taqwa in the heart, then we, have a, we, don't have a, we don't say what's right. All the gossiping that's happening right now on WhatsApp. Imagine six hours yesterday was probably the mercy of Allah descended, the special mercy of Allah for six hours. Without Facebook, without WhatsApp. But the amount of false accusations and, and gossip, gossip, gossip. It's crazy world, man. It's crazy world. People are, people are creating WhatsApp groups. People are part of WhatsApp groups. And they will never even... You would think it's... You know, who I am, you who you are. We can see each other. But what, what, what this new digital world has done is that people can hide behind usernames, hide behind fake numbers. So a man is acting like a woman, a woman is like acting like a man. A child is acting like an like a old man, an old man is acting like a child. You don't know who you're speaking with. You don't know who's on which side. Seriously. And you don't know who is the, looking for the truth or who is actually just trying to sow seeds of doubt and dispute and infighting and fitna within the masses. Don't trust anyone that you just is on a WhatsApp group. I'm telling you this. There's too much stuff that's going on. I, to, I told you before, Mufti Muhammad ibn Adam, this is an old story, but for those of you who, many of you probably didn't hear this story, he mentioned that one person came in, in England and came and he made toba in his hands. Made toba in his hands. And he said that, you know, I've been working for the government for so many years. And what I've been doing, I've been given different jobs. Every three, four weeks, I'm given an assignment. Three, four, three weeks, four weeks, you become a Barelvi. Then the next four weeks, you become a Diobandi. Then the next four weeks, you become Ahl Hadith. Then the next four weeks, you become some other thing, a Jihadi. And your job is to go into all the, eight, nine years ago I'm talking about, go onto all the chats. You remember they had the Yahoo chats and all, all the AOL chats and all the other chats. Go onto those forums and chats of people who, are, who don't hold your ideology and go cause a ruckus. Go, go cause infighting. He said, I've been doing this for, for how many years? And, and I had no re I would just go act like something and just say inflammatory things about people, you know, about the groups on, that, on the same group just to create infighting. But Nakhud, he came in, he made toba. Right. How many thousands of agents of Batil are working like that? You think they're not around within our own groups? You think they're not within our own communities? Allahu A'lam. And if they're not working... For a human batil, a human shaitan, they're definitely working for a jinn shaitan. Meaning not everyone is necessarily going to be getting a paycheck from a human, but they're getting a paycheck from shaitan. In a sense that shaitan has put them into this delusion 
that this is the way you need to work the deen. You need to speak the haqq. Imam Ghazali writes this in Bidayatul Hidayah. He says sometimes, don't let shaitan deceive you by saying speak the truth, when speaking the truth is actually the wrong thing to do at that time. In his Bidayah, he writes that. He said, make sure he does not, he doesn't drag you into your destruction with this, what I call, nurani waswasa. Nurani waswasa. It's very, you know, mashallah, I'm doing the right thing. It's nur. But it's not nur, it's batil. It's, it's, it's filth that's put in a nice wrapper. Right? It's just being presented. That person thinks, I'm establishing the haq. I'm establishing the truth. But in order to establish the truth, you've, you've caused a hundred casualties. What was, was that really worth it? Was that really worth it? No, absolutely not. Breaking the hearts of the people, creating dissension amongst the people is the worst thing. Fitna wal fitna tu ashaddu min al-qatl. That's what the Quran says. Dissension and chaos is worse than murder. Hadith says, Sallu khalfa kulli barrin wa fajir. Go pray salah behind every sinful person and every pious person. If the Imam is sinful, don't go start your own salah. If the Imam is, you know, doesn't have a sunnah beard, for example. Right? If our Imam was caught doing something, for, uh, whatever the case may be. But don't go say, okay, now I'm going to start another jamaat next door in this hall. You have an issue, do not start up another jamaat. This is what Nabi Alaihissalam's teachings are. If a person wants to go pray in another masjid, okay, fine. If there's other, alhamdulillah, you have many masjids, go ahead, pray somewhere else. But we don't start up another jama'ah. Because now that is dissension. And that dissension is the worst possible thing that the ummah can suffer. Allah says, do not argue amongst each other. Do not argue and fight amongst each other. Otherwise, you will become losers. And literally, what does that mean? Literally, little translation, Right, you're gonna, you are going to lose your might. All that might you have, as soon as you start fighting with one another, it's gone. And we're seeing all that filth and that gossip going on today in our masajid, in WhatsApp, in, in all different you know, places, emails, this, that. And people think that they are doing ihqaq al-haq, that they are trying to prove the truth. They're not. This is shaitan deceiving them. Many brothers have told me, try to drag me into various debates all the time. Well, what do you have to say about this? What do you have to say about this issue, that issue, fulan, this thing, that thing? And I told them, bye. How many kids do you have? You have four kids. What's the condition of the Quran right now? How much do they know about Tahara, about the deen? Where are, you, where, where are they right now as you're sitting at 11 o'clock at night? Right? Literally, about some masla about a board of a masjid. Are you part of the board? No, you're not part of the board. Are you part of the masjid? No, no. You have issues with that. You're sitting there. Argue while your own kids are pretending what they're watching right now as you're sitting here talking to me. Take care of your family. Take care of your kids. Why are you getting involved in things that have nothing to do with you? In the process of that, you're losing your dunya and you're losing your akhirah. All this energy that you have, you're putting in, in negative, negative energy by convert it to positive energy. Seriously, I want all of us to make this niyyah that we will never get involved in fights of the community. We will never sit there and forward a message. No matter how horrible of a message comes, just delete it. I'm not going to be a part of this. Because if we forward it even once, you're part of it. Janazah me ketani. Oh, I just want to sh- sh- hold the janazah for a little bit so I get the reward. By, by you holding the janazah, what happens? There's 30 people holding it too. But we all want to get the reward, yeah? Similarly, you sending one text message, one forward of one WhatsApp image or, Im- or document, you're part of that. I'm sorry, that's what it is. You've been part of that evil. Of that evil chain. Nabi Alaihi Wasallam, what does he say? He says that, 
It is sufficient to be regarded as a liar if you simply talk whatever you hear. If you simply talk whatever you hear. If you do that, Nabi Sallallahu said, you're a liar. You are a liar. Because 100% from all the things that you hear every day, there's just gonna, there is definitely going to be a portion of things that are not 100% the truth. From all the things that we hear every day, there's going to be a portion of them that are not exactly true. And if we have a habit of just passing on the message and telling people, when someone asks us, where did you hear that from? I don't know, I just heard it at the masjid. I heard it on a, I saw it on WhatsApp. I heard it in the parking lot. Why are you sharing that? If you share it, you are a liar. And you're part of the problem. And I'm part of the problem. So this is something we need to make an of. All the fires out there, let's make dua for the people who are lighting it and who are burning in it. But let's not be part of those people who, who continue to put oil over that and doze it and make it bigger. Because we are definitely going to pay the price for this. Never, don't think you're not going to pay the price. You will pay the price sometimes within your own family. Yeah. You attack someone else's honor, your own honor will go down the line. You attack someone's wife, you attack someone's husband, you attack someone's kids, you attack someone's dignity, it will, what goes around comes around. And if not in this dunya, then it's worse what happens in the akhirah. It's worse. Man hafara li hufra Whoever digs a hole for his brother shall fall in it himself. So let us not be part of any scandal. Let's not participate in anything. We need to worry about ourselves, our family, and the thousands of innocent good people who just don't know the deen, work on them. There's the, the, the way to get to Jannah is not getting into the thick of all the siyasa. All of this stuff. It's, it's heartbreaking. This is what's happening in our own masajid. If masajid are going to fight with each other, if people are going to fight with each other in masajid, if fist fights are going to happen in the house of Allah, someone just shared with me, fist fights in the house of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, then how do you expect guidance to come from these places? Right? We need to have this, we need to make this commitment that the houses of Allah, we will ensure that they remain pure from this filth, from this infighting. And we tell people, Bhai, this is not the place to show your power and you show your money and to show your uh, muscle. Go do it across the street, you can build a, mashallah, join his gym. Right? And you can show your muscle over there. But the masjid is not the place to show the, to, to, to show the, to the, to the muscle. Wallahi. And we need, we, if we all make a knee of this, to say, khalas, we will not accept infighting, we will not accept bickering, we will not accept this type of things. As a community, we, we say, we are united on this. This is it. Then inshallah ta'ala, hopefully some khair will come. But agar we become innocent, so-called, you know, بس ہم تو کچھ کر رہے نہیں, بس سن رہے, دیکھ رہے کیا ہوگا. چلو بھائی, تھوڑی سی چائے پی لیں, دیکھیں کیا ہوگا. As I know some of these WhatsApp groups when this drama goes on, people post that, popcorn emoji, eating popcorn. ادھر لڑ رہے ہیں لوگ, ادھر popcorn نکالتے ہیں لوگ. I mean, that's the whole point. It's drama. This is what's a drama every day we're doing. No, you can't leave. Leave. Don't sit there and watch because you're a part of it. You are giving them himmat. Kichalo, we have some spectators. Ab, let's make a tamasha here. Instead, we say, no, I want nothing to do with this. May Allah Azawajal protect you and I from, from being a part of any fitna, from part of any scandal, from being peddlers of scandals. Whatever is not directly related to you and I, leave it. Whatever is directly not related to you and I, leave it. There's too many other issues that we must take care of. So this is qawlan sadida. To be able to speak the straight talk 
and not veer off and get into other things. It will happen if we have taqwa. If we have taqwa, this will happen. And where do we see this? Where do we see the lack of taqwa and then no qawlan sadida? Where? Where do you think? Divorce. Where you see you're just sitting there, like serious? You serious? I mean, like literally, you lost your mind or what? No, you not or what? You did. How dare you make these accusations? You deep down know this is all 100% no, a thousand percent fake. But your lawyer is feeding you to say this, just so for you to get some money. Like, where is the fear of Allah? You think it's over? It's not over, my friend. You're gonna die. She's gonna die. He's gonna die, and you're gonna face Allah Azza And then we're gonna have to pay the hefty price. Take the million. Take the five hundred. How much are you gonna take? Take the house. Fine. But what is, what's the price you're going to pay in Akhirah for this type of dhulm that you've done? Qawlan sadida. People don't speak the truth in courts. People don't speak the truth in, uh, when, when businesses start breaking up. People don't speak the truth when divorces happen because there's no taqwa. If the taqwa were to come there, a person would be afraid of saying something he shouldn't be saying. It's easy what I'm saying. I beg Allah Azza wa that He keeps you and I firm on taqwa in times of difficulty. When our nafs is filled with rage and anger, when we're upset or angry at someone, may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala protect you and I from falling to our base desires, from falling to anger and beginning to say something which we shouldn't say. That's why the Quran says, When you speak, then be just. Be just even if it's regarding your own relatives. Meaning, even if it's regarding your own assets, even if it's regarding your own relatives, even if it's regarding your own uh, issues, that if you speak the truth, it will end up causing some material damage to yourself. Then do it, but that's because that's the right thing to do. That's the ethical and moral thing to do, to say, my son is wrong, my daughter is wrong. Yeah, say it. My nation is wrong. People from my community are wrong. Acknowledge it. No asabiyah here. Not to say no, because he or she is from my town, or my village, or my language is spoken, or they are blood relatives, then I have to be right at all costs. This is, this is that asabiyah that is just absolutely not acceptable. Whoever obeys Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, فَقَدْ فَازَ فَوْزًا عَظِيمًا He has got the ultimate success. My friends, you will see today in this dunya, people winning court cases, winning other battles. But that, that success is very, very short-lived. As soon as the soul comes out, it'll be all over. The real success is the one who has obedience of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and obedience to the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam. Last ayah, which is a really, really uh, important ayah, subhanAllah. <laughs> and much, much, much can be said. A whole hour can be spent on this ayah. It's the last ayah. Ya ayyuhal ladheena amanu. Inna aradhan al-amanata ala samah. Ala samawati wal-ard. Indeed, I mean the last two rather. But the concept is, the theme is just one here. Indeed, we did offer the trust of the, viola- of, the, of, the, of faith to the heavens and earth and the mountains. Indeed, we did offer the trust, meaning of iman, to the heavens and the earth and the mountains. But they refused to bear it and were fearful of it. Yet the human being bore it, but could not uphold it. The human being bore it. He took it upon himself, but he could not uphold it. Indeed, he was the most unjust concerning his own trust and most ignorant of the outcome. He was most unjust concerning his own trust and most ignorant of the outcome. لِيُعَذِّبَ Allah. And so it is that Allah shall punish the hypocrite men and the hypocrite women. لِيُعَذِّبَ اللَّهُ الْمُنَافِقِينَ وَالْمُنَافِقَاتِ 
والمشركين والمشركات and the men who associate gods with God and the women who associate gods with God ويتوب الله على المؤمنين والمؤمنات but Allah will grant repentance to the believing men and to the believing women وكان الله غفور رحيم and ever is Allah all forgiving and mercy giving mercy giving and all forgiving so this ayah is regarding what we call ayat al-taklif the ayah that speaks about all of us being given the responsibility of obeying Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So we are, the human being, the creation of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, that is the first makhluk, that is the most honorable makhluk. Allah says, وَلَقَدْ كَرَّمْنَا بَنِي آدَمِ Indeed, we have honored the son of Adam. Right? Allah azza wa jal speaks about the human being in so many ways. وَهَدَيْنَاهُ najdain. Allah says, we've guided him to both paths, while others have not been guided to both paths. Either they've been guided to Yani, just basically the makhluk has been guided to the angels be it or the rest of the creation of guided to obedience to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala they, they know what they have to do and shaitan has been guided only, only to the evil and his progeny the human being has been given both paths so every single thing in the world is making tasbih there's nothing in this world that is not making tasbih Allah says it's simply you cannot hear their tasbih you can't hear their tasbih, right? So the example of what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala presented an amana to all of these heavens and the earth, and they said, no. And the human being stood up and said, I'm ready. You can see an example of a, of a father who has a very big business, a very, you know, very well-established business, and he's got 10 sons, or 10 daughters, or you know, 10 kids. He tells them that, listen, you guys are all born into this super rich aristocratic family. Each one of you, I'm going to get you a house, get you your own car, a driver, and you have 50,000 you know, salary um, a month. Here you go. However, if there's one of you who wants to go to actually go to school and study and wants to try to get into the best business schools out there and come back with some, uh, you know, uh, a very impressive resume and go do some internships, you know, go, go work hard out there in the world, you come back, I'll make you the CEO of the company and I'll make you the biggest shareholder. Well, you, so I'll, one of you, as if you want to do that, do that. So the rest of them is like, man, pff, free poker, free mini pesa, we're getting, we're getting free $50,000 a month, we got a house, we got a car, all this stuff. Now you're going to go out there and study exams, this, that, and then you got to do internships. When I'm, I got so much money, why should I go work for anyone else for 12 bucks an hour, 15 bucks an hour? Ah, it's, it's nice to be a CEO of a company and have bigger share, shareholder, but the, what is asked from me is just too much. So there's one kid who is ambitious. He's like, man, I like that. I like challenges. You know, money will come and go, no problem. But I got my eyes on that. You know, the biggest thing out there is to be the owner of this company, the CEO of this company, the greatest shareholder of this company. And then these brothers and siblings of mine will actually depend on me. I'll be the one at the top. So I'm ready to put the effort in for the next 20 years to toil in order to come back and get this. This is the example of that human being who said, Ya Allah, I'm ready. Allah says, who wants this amana? And all the heavens and the earth are like, uh, no, we're okay. Right? This amana is too much. Alhamdulillah, we'll do what you, you tell us to worship, you tell us to rise at this time, set at this time. Give rain at this time, give milk at this time, give honey at this time, you, we'll do whatever you want us to do. No problem. Samiana wa ta'ana, alhamdulillah, we're going to enjoy life while doing this. Because they are. The makhluk is enjoying life, believe it or not. All the creation of Allah that obeys Allah enjoys life. Such amazing life. Sa'ada. However, Allah had asked them if they want to take it to the next notch. To enjoy it even more in the hereafter. 
in the hereafter. Because this enjoyment is short-lived. It's as long as this earth is around. After that, it's going to end. Allah said, is there anyone willing to take on the role of being hamil al-mas'uliyah? The one who's going to take on the responsibility of establishing the deen of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And uh, is willing to you know, work hard. And you're gonna, when you're out 20 years out of the house, you, you can't expect to lead the luxury that your siblings have. It's just not going to happen. Because you're going to be out there. But when you come back, you're going to have something way beyond. Everyone's going to be envious of you. So the human being said, okay, I'm ready to take it on. So, you know, when you take on huge risks in business, what happens? There's a chance of, of really doing very well. And there's also a chance of losing a lot. So the human being said, I'm ready for it. So some are going to do very well. And some are going to lose horribly. Meaning some it would have been better if they just remained a rock. Like a rock or an animal. And just like literally had just done their own thing and khalas died like that. And that's exactly what they're going to wish on the Day of Judgment. Ya laytani kuntu turaba. We wish we were soil and mud. We wish we were never a human being. We wish we were never a human being. We wish we had not risen our, to raise our hand and said, Oh, I'm ready for it. Because they will see how they've lost. And there will be others who will become the source of envy for the angels. That how did you get this? Allah Azza wa Jal speaks about the, the human being. He says, Allah inspired the human being with good and bad. The one who purifies his heart is successful. And the one who doesn't purify it, lets his soul become dirty, filthy, materialistic. He's become a loser. Right? Worse than what the Quran says. They, they have hearts, but they don't comprehend with it. They have eyes, they don't look with it. They have ears, they don't listen with it. They are like livestock, nay, they are more astray than that. What does that mean? Because, my dear friends, Allah has given the human being both. Has given him aql and shahwa. Has given him the mind and has given him the lustful desires. And the angels, they have only... The ruhaniyah, the spirituality, the aql, no shahwa, no desire for sin. And the animals, they don't have the aql, they only have the shahwa. So one is going that side, one is going this side, and we're in the middle. Huh? We, ha we have the biggest challenge. That we have uh, the desires also, and then we have the aql that tells us, no, you're not supposed to do that. So there are a few things that we need to keep in mind that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given you and I. One is the ability to Look at creation and understand the Creator. What is the creation? The creation is the manifestation of Allah's names and attributes. The creation is what? The manifestation of Allah's names and attributes. When you look at all around the, the creation, you will start seeing Allah's name. You have Allah's names all over here. Well, if you look at the, the, the depth of it, you will start seeing that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wants us to understand Him through His creation. I, we re, we've repeated this theme many times that there are three, ver, three types of signs to understand Allah, right? Anyone remember? It's been a long time since I said over here, but I know I've definitely said in the previous tafsirs. Three signs Ayat Taqweeniya, Ayat Kauniya, Ayat Quraniya. Okay? Number one is ayat, <clears throat> signs in the signs in nature. Nature. All the sign, nature itself is the greatest sign of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's existence and greatness and wondrous powers. From this rise of the sun to the sunset to the, you know, to the mountains, to the oceans, everything is just marvelous. Look and ponder and connect with nature. This is one of the big reasons of the rise of atheism today. 
And the rise of just disconnect from God is because we're no longer connected with nature. A person, an fr- old acquaintance of mine who was very strong, you know, who lost his deen completely and went so far away, asfal as-safilin, literally, you know what the Qur'an says, you become lowest of the low. That's unfortunate, that's what he ended up doing with himself. To the lowest of the low. And you wonder like, how will this person ever get back? Ever get back? How, when, he, when he's going to first become a human being? Subhanallah. I'm serious. Asfal as-safilin, the reality you see today. People are worse, worse than what you can ever imagine. The worst type of things. I'm wondering how is this person? But alhamdulillah, alhamdulillah, when Allah Azza guides a person, eventually he, he disconnected from the world and went on for a long extended period of time in nature. That's what he did. He just disappeared into nature for weeks alone. And that's when he found Allah again. And that's what we unfortunately don't do. We don't connect. People don't know how to even listen to them. You go to, you, you, let's go for a walk. In, how many of you young boys here, young men here, SubhanAllah, say, Chalala, let's Sunday morning, let's go for a walk in the botanical garden. Huh? Right? Let's go, let's go for a nature walk. Like, what? Come on. Right? Yeah? No, how many of you are interested in that? And when you go, Chalala, okay, now what? Now we're in the forest. Now what do you want me to do, huh? But listen to the leaves. What, what, what are you talking about? Listen to the leaves. The ruffles of the leaves. Listen to the chirping of the, of the insects. Looking through the, you know, singing of the birds. Okay, then, okay, I heard it. One, two, three. Next one. They don't understand the point. That this is what you're supposed to sit there and enjoy. Like, that's just like, that's just like me saying, okay, you got the ball in the hoop. Now what? Okay, you got the, you made the goal. So what? I don't understand it. Like, you guys need, you guys, 11 people fighting over a ball. Hey, man, I'll go to Walmart, but you got 11 balls. Khalas, you guys can, you don't have to sit there and fight over one ball. That's the stupidity of it, right? So it's people who are so disconnected from nature, we don't understand, like, what's the point of all of this? That's a very important point for all of us is to go back into nature. Take our families and ourselves, go for nature walks. Right, travel with the niyyah of connecting with nature. And you don't have to necessarily travel to the other end of the world. Just even 20 miles from here, 5 miles from here, 2 miles. You just go in your backyard. Right now, mashallah, with the changing of the uh, leaves, right? The autumn is here. Just going in the back- backyard, just walking around, reflecting. Where, how is this color changing of these trees? That's what the Quran says. What's the ayat? Huh? Allah says there's so many ayats. Tamaruna, it's Surah Yusuf. There's so many of the signs of mine that you simply pass by with your face turned the other way and you don't look at it. The Quran saying that. There's so many of my signs. You look the other way. And usually we'd say that we look at the phone and walk away. That's why when, uh, our, you know, I was, I was, I mentioned this Roman Rasulullah Choksi Sahib when I went to go visit him in, in, in Sri Lanka. And we're in the, we're, we're in the, uh, we're in the little bus and we're traveling with him and all the other ulama, or his students. And, you know, I was, I was seasick and I was just looking down and some of the other guys maybe were talking on the phone. He got really upset. He said, why did you come all the way from those places to sit and uh, talk and to look at your phones and what are you doing? He literally, you know, he raised his voice. He got very upset. And he said, look outside. This is why you came here. This is the ibadah. This is now the time for ibadah. The ibadah right now is to look outside and think, how did Allah create these beautiful tea plantations? Right? Jannah. Jannah means a garden. Think about that. So this ibadah, I think we need to increase more of it. The, uh, you know, if, if a person needs to go to the beach, for example, go at a time when there's no people. Otherwise, the ibadah will change to ma'asiyah. Right? Will turn into disobedience. So, but this is, uh, yani, uh, definitely something important, but Reflecting in Allah Azza wa Jal's nature. What's the second way to connect with Allah? Is ayat kauniya, reflecting on happenings of the world. 
who's winning, who's losing. Who's getting honor, who's getting disgrace. Who's getting sick, who's getting healthy. Right? All of that. Every, your daily life. As mundane as it may seem, you will quickly realize that it's actually quite amazing way to reflect on Allah's qudra and power. Something you didn't think was going to happen, happens. Something you are sure was going to happen, doesn't happen. Yeah? That's the biggest sign. I recognize the existence of my Lord through my determinations falling apart. I'm determined to do something and it doesn't happen. How? Am I running the place? No, you're not. That's the whole point. Look at your daily schedule and how you're not able to keep up things. Keep up with things is the reason for you and I to reflect that I'm not in charge of my life. Allah is. That's ayat kuniya. And the last one is ayat qur'aniya. Ayats of the Qur'an. Each verse of the Qur'an that we've covered and, and, and you'll read on your own. It's itself a very clear sign of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's qudra and power. So these are the three ayats. Who understands that? A human being understands that. An animal doesn't. A human being understands that. So we have, this is the first gift Allah given us. Number two, ingredient of our life is Allah has given us an aql. An ability to distinguish between right and wrong. The third ingredient Allah has given us is shahwa, lust. You say, wait, how is that a good point? Believe it or not, your shahwa and our shahwa and our lustful desires is the one of the powerful ways we get close to Allah. How? When we lawfully fulfill it and we thank Allah. Yeah? When we lawfully fulfill our need for food and drink, our need for intimacy, when we lawfully fulfill those needs and thank Allah, you're getting close to Allah. And number two, when we remain patient and we push away the opportunities of fulfilling those lustful desires, in a haram manner. And we remain patient every single time we're guarding our gaze. Every single time we're closing our ears. Every single time we're saying no to some investment that's haram. What's happening? Your level and closeness to Allah is just increasing. So shahwa is also a way to get close to Allah. So the fourth ingredient is our fitrah, our nature. Allah created us on a proper nature. When a person even runs over an animal, Allah forbid, you know, on the road, you feel guilty about it. A person said something harshly to a, a store clerk because something messed up. And then you're driving back home and say, wait, wait, that was not right. What is that? What makes you feel guilty about things you've done? When no one scolded you, but you said, I shouldn't have said that. I shouldn't have done that. What is that? That's your fitrah. Okay? A fitrah salima. A fitrah that's not been altered. That is something that is a fifth ingredient. Or fourth ingredient. Fifth ingredient is the ability to choose. The, uh, the freedom of choice. If there was no freedom of choice, there would be no point of hell and, and paradise. The fact that Allah put us, put us in a place where we, where we have paradise and hell tells us that we definitely do have a freedom of choice. You have a freedom of sitting right now or leaving? You have a freedom of coming to the masjid or not? Number six ingredient is sharia. That this sharia is what will be the ultimate guide for the aql, for the fitrah, for our... Uh, shahwa and everything else. When a person keeps all of these six things in mind, he will be able to, this is the amana. You keep these six things in mind and you balance it properly and you recognize Allah and you introduce Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to others, that's the amana. And that's what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wants us to do. When we do that, we will become like, what did I say? The envy of the angels. And when we don't do that, people get impressed by jinn. When you hear jinn stories, jinns are powerful. Remember, yeah, they're powerful, whatever they but guess what? You're still Ashraful Makhluqat. You're the best. One human versus a thousand jinns. A true mu'min is far above and beyond any, any powerful jinn out there. So that's just something to think about. That it's, it's, you know, as impressive anything may seem, the mountains may seem impressive, 
And fulan's even impressive. But if a person has these six qualities balanced properly, and he fulfills the amanah that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given him, then inshallah he will be the top. Now that tenth boy who went to go and hustle for the next 20 years, imagine he takes his dad's you know, credit card, oh, 50K a month, and he just sits there and parties. Parties and parties, not even at home. Right? He's just sitting there and doesn't study anything. Imagine when he comes back home, you think he's going to become CEO? He's going to be the one who's going to get, even probably get cut off from the inheritance. So when this human being does not fulfill the role he took upon himself of establishing the deen in his body and on human, in, in the world, then Allah will punish him in a manner that he will never punish any other creation. Think about it. That's what I'm trying to say. When you start up a business, if it's a, a, if the high, a high odds, then with that is the chance of making a lot of money also there and the chance of utter loss also there. So now since we're in it, period. You and I, all of us have, are part of this race now. We've taken upon ourselves whether we know it or not. Whether we realize it or not, the amana is on our shoulders. Now we need to ensure that we fulfill it. We don't have a choice. You're in the game and you need to run. You need to run, 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 run. You got to run till the race ends. If you stop, you lose. You cannot stop. There's no day. The day after Ramadan, the day after Hajj, the day after anything. There's no day we stop. We have to keep on running till the very end. Allah Azawajal says, then to punish the hypocrites and to accept the repentance of the believers, meaning mistakes will be made. All of us are going to make mistakes in fulfilling this irresponsibility. But if you are truthful and honest and you repent, Allah is willing to accept. Even even if you make a mistake 70 times in one day and you repent 71 times in that day, Allah is willing to accept it like the first time you made a sin. But if a person... He's got, you know, he's crooked inside. Brother, you can deceive everyone. You cannot deceive Allah. If a person is not honest with Allah, then unfortunately, Allah says, I'm going to punish you. This whole, this whole process is, is, is basically to prove a reason why you're going to get punished. Okay? Uh, the, the hadith of Rasulullah This is just right before Asr, I was sharing this story of with someone and about this hadith. Whoever's maqsad and niyyah and fikr, ham kemane? Hamun wa ghammun. What is ham? Your fikr, your concern. Who's ever fikr is akhirah? Dear brothers and sisters, Allah will give you three things. Number one, ja'alallahu al-ghina fi qalbihi. Ja'alallahu ghinahu fi qalbi. Allah will make him rich at heart. You'll always feel content and rich in your mind and your heart. Happy and rich. What is the point of being rich is to be happy. So a person says, Alhamdulillah, I'm so happy. Why? Because his figures of the akhirah. Whatever happens, this dunya will be uh, no problem. No problem, bhai. No, not an issue. Number two, Jama'alahu shamlahu. Allah will make all his affairs come right. Allah will set all his affairs right. Everything will be orderly. Because he's, he's working for Allah. Allah will work for him. You're working for the akhirah. Allah will take care of your dunya. And number three, the dunya will come to his feet disgraced. They'll say, please take me, please take me. you say, no, enough, enough, go. The dunya will keep on chasing after you. Not the other way around. Number two, flip side. And the one whose fikr is akhirah, um, is dunya. Focus, how can I get materialistically above everyone else? That's it. Better car than the guy next door, a larger home than the guy next door, a bigger business than, than my cousin, my brother. But that's all he cares about. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will, will bring poverty, the fear of poverty right between his eyes. Yeah, yeah. 
He'll be having millionaires in his account, but he'll think that, oh my God, I'm going to lose my t-shirt tomorrow. That's how much fear. Brother, give a little bit sadaqah. Oh, no, no, what's going to happen? I can't. I can't. I'll lose everything. That's what happens. Adab he's living in. He has everything, but he literally thinks he's going he's to become dirt poor tomorrow. Number two, farraq alayhi shamlahu. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will make all his affairs fall apart. His life will become super disorganized. He won't even, you ask, brother, what's the purpose of your life? Where, do, where are you headed? Where have you come from? I don't know. What's your 30 year plan? Okay, what's your plan after death? <laughs> you got your vision, you got your 401k. Well, let me tell me what type of pension have you got set up? In which you know, Swiss account for the, for the Qabr? You see all this, all the stuff that came out this week, all the papers and 12 million here, someone's fraud, 100 billion over there, all this stuff, these big shots are doing in the world. You know, tax havens and this and that. Ask all those people, but what have you prepared for the Qabr? They don't even, that's not even, literally doesn't cross your mind. Source Libani. It's not like people are not dying. Every single day you see thousands of people dying. What are you doing for after your death? They, they don't even think about it. And lastly, He will only get that much dunya which was meant for him. Nothing, not one sip of water more than that was meant for him. So it wasn't worth it. It wasn't worth it. Would you not rather have dunya to come to your feet? Of course. Why chase after it and then only get what was meant for you? So my dear brothers and sisters, make niyyah that from today, we will try our best to fulfill this amanah. And we will make our focus, what? The akhirah. Make the focus the akhirah. In order to make the focus the akhirah, we need ilm. And we need gatherings of ilm and dhikr. That's why make niyyah, all of you here, alhamdulillah, that you make niyyah of attending the dars every week. And if it's not this dars, then some other dars. But istiqamah. People, I ask people, which masjid you attend? Oh, I attend all masjids. I'm sorry. That's, that's not the right answer I'm looking for. I, of course, I, have, I don't have no problem with that. I travel, alhamdulillah, a lot. I go to masjids everywhere. If you don't have a regular masjid, what happens? There's no one to check on you. Who's going to see how many days you missed namaz? Who's going to know how many ishas you missed, how many fajrs you missed? Where do you build that relationship? This whole idea of I pray everywhere doesn't work. You need to have one proper place that you always go so everyone knows you there, you know everyone there. You miss it when you're not there and they miss you also when you're not there. So similarly, a dars of tafsir. If you say, no, I go one week here, one week there, it doesn't work like that. That's what many of you might say, you don't see me here, but I'm going to somewhere else. Okay? Tuesday nights, to my knowledge, there's no other dars going on in Chicago. And Tuesday nights. You might be going on another day of the week, but we want to see, we want to have attendance. Really, I really want you to take this seriously to say, okay, fine. I'm going to try my best, like seven weeks in a row, eight weeks in a row, to come regularly. If you have to leave early, by all means. If you have to come a little bit late, by all means. But just come. Come for the sake of it. Put your kids to sleep and come. Or take care of your dinner that you have to take care of. Your anniversary night, mashallah, good for you. Have your dinner and then come. Not a problem. Or have it, you know, bring your with your wife over here. After this, go over for your dinner. Not a problem. Okay? Figure out a way to have istiqamah. This is all I'm asking you to do. If you have istiqamah in attendance, inshallah ta'ala, that's where the benefit, real benefit will come. The real benefit will come with continuity. The most beloved actions inside of Allah are those that are done on a continuous basis, even if they're little, even if they are small, even if they are few. So I really hope Allah gives me istiqamah. I benefit the most, really. I, I, I am the one who is here. I'm speaking here today and every Tuesday for my own benefit. And alhamdulillah, I benefit when I prepare, when I speak. I'm, you know, I benefit myself. So I hope we all can benefit. And I really hope, I hope for you what I hope for myself. I hope that I'm not deprived of this. And I hope you're not deprived of it either. So make niya inshallah ta'ala to come, you know, on a regular basis. That's why we, I hope if you have already registered, if you haven't, please do so. So then you can give your feedback. You can give your, you know, your, uh, what you, your opinion on the next surah that we'll be starting next Tuesday. We've given options there. 
Yeah, there's a poll there. Online, YouTube, sisters and brothers are listening on YouTube too. There's a poll. should be live there. I want you to just, you know, mark it. And based on that, we will, inshallah, tabarak wa ta'ala, uh, you know, start our next session next week. So let us uh, answer some of the questions that, I, that were related to the tafsir. Um, uh, okay, related to Surah Maryam's tafsir. Is it permissible to find out the baby's g- uh, gender prior to giving birth via ultrasound? So the idea is if a person were to do that for whatever reason, of course, what is, for the reasons that is done overseas, not good. Right? You know, in India and other parts of the world, unfortunately, people do it for very wrong reasons. But if a person were to do it, uh, what is the niyyah? You ask, ask yourself, what is the purpose? Um, if by the, the, the only, the key thing here is a aqidah point. A person should, if they were to find out, a person should have this belief that Allah knows best what it is. This is a tool that may be giving me the information. It may be correct, it may be incorrect. And even if it's correct, that information came from where? Allah Azza wa Jalla. Allah gave the mind to the human being to create such a device that can see this. So this is still part of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's knowledge, which He has chosen and uh, to share at times. And we cannot say it with certainty. Allah knows, subhanahu wa ta'ala knows the best. Best way to ask for forgiveness and best way to repent. I mean, there's four things you have to remember and for forgiveness. One is to immediately stop the sin. Number two is to uh, have remorse. Have remorse. Number three is to uh, repent to Allah. Through astaghfirullah, or just astaghfirullah, astaghfirullah, or pray two rakat salah to tawbah, right? Normal salah, and then you, you raise your hand and make dua to Allah Azza wa Jal. And lastly, if it has to do with anyone else's rights, we make it up with them. Some have also explained the fact that come up with a strategy, exit strategy out of our sin. If we are very serious of repentance, we have to come up with an exit strategy from our sin. If you're, you know, how am I going to start coming for Fajr? I'm having a very hard time waking up. Okay, well then just go to sleep again without the alarm. Go to sleep without telling anyone to wake up. That's not, that's not, toba, toba and go to sleep. That doesn't work like that. We have to come up with an exit strategy. That how, what, what changes I'm, I'm going to do. So, in, and then a specific istighfar itself. No, there's no specific words. You have astaghfirullah, then you have the sayyidul istighfar. That's on our dua card. Allah man tarabbila ilaha illa khalaqtani wa na'abduk wa na'ahdik. Beautiful dua, the leader of istighfar. That's something we can read. Additionally, there's a beautiful book attributed to Hassan Basri rahimullah called Prayers for Forgiveness. Many of you may have it. It's sold in our Darussalam bookstore. Short, small, beautiful book called Prayers for Forgiveness. It's got 70 uh, uh, prayers of forgiveness attributed to the leader of the Tabi'in, Hassan Basri rahmatullahi It's an amazing, amazing collection. I would highly encourage you to get, read that at least you know once a month or Friday nights, Thursday nights. Or if not, then at least on in Laylatul Qadr. And inshallah, if Allah take us for Hajj, then over there. And um, is there a certain acceptable, is there a specific rules or attire during wudu? No, there's no specific rules or attire during wudu. A person simply uh, needs to ensure that their satar is, you know, they're covering themselves up, especially if they're in the company of others. Okay. And so this is the, um, okay, now this is a long question of aqidah. Uh, let's do it maybe next time. I want to request you sisters and brothers who are sending their questions, if you can send an email with it, because some of them I can share with you articles uh, on that. So if you send a specific, like someone who just asked about taqdeer, right? If you send me uh, with your email address, inshallah, ta'ala, then I can you know, respond to that with, with a proper uh, article, inshallah. Any questions here?
So there is, uh, there is uh, tea and snacks outside. Please do not leave without that. And, uh, and also we'll do a, a, a few minutes of dhikr, inshallah. لا إله إلا الله محمد رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم لا إله إلا الله 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 محمد رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم الله 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 لا إله إلا الله محمد رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم صلى الله على محمد 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 صلى الله عليه وسلم استغفر الله 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 
Astaghfirullah, astaghfirullah, astaghfirullah alladhi la ilaha illa huwa al-hayyul qayyum wa atubu ilayhi. اللهم انت السلام انك السلام وبارك في هذا الجلال والاكرام اللهم الحمد كله ولك الشكر كله اللهم لا نحصي الان عليك انت كما اثنيت على نفسك ربي اغفر وارحم وتجاوز عما تعلم انك انت العز الاكرم اللهم انا نسالك التقوى والتقى والعفاف والغنى لا اله الا هو الحليم الكريم سبحان الله رب العرش العظيم والحمد لله رب العالمين اللهم انا نسالك موجبات رحمتك وعزائم مغفرتك والغنيمه من كل بر والسلامه من كل اثم اللهم لا تدع لنا في مقامنا هذا ذنبا الا غفرته ولا هما الا فرجته ولا مريضا الا شفيته ولا دينا الا قضيته ولا ضالا الا هديته ولا حاجه من حوائج الدنيا والآخرة هي لك رضا ولنا فيها صلاح إلا عنتنا وسرتها لنا يا أرحم الراحمين يا الله make this gathering of ours a means of our complete complete forgiveness make it a means of our protection from all evil temptations of shaitan in our nafs Allah make it a means of us this 20-part series that we have done in Surah Al-Ahzab. Ya Allah, make it a means of all of us beginning closer to Rasulullah on the Day of Judgment. Ya Allah, make it a means of wasila that we can present to you, Ya Allah. Make it a means of sadaqah jariyah for, for our elders, our teachers, our parents, and our, 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 for the Prophet himself. Ya Allah, make it a means of instilling in our hearts the true, genuine love of our Rasulullah and every aspect of his life. Ya Allah, and every sunnah of him. Ya Allah, allow us to become true inviters towards his sunnah. Allow us to become inviters towards sunnah. Allow us to become embodiments of his sunnah. Ya Allah, we ask you to grant all of us the truth, ta'alluq and connection with the Qur'an, with every verse of the Qur'an, with every surah of the Qur'an. Make every one of us reciters of it. Allow us to recite with yaqeen, with conviction. Allow us to recite it with beautiful tajweed, with beautiful voices. Allow us to recite it with conviction that this is your kalam, this is your word. Allow us to recite it with deep understanding of it. Ya Allah, make us and our student, our children students of knowledge. Make our spouses and our parents students of knowledge. Make our siblings students of knowledge. Ya Allah, make every single one of our households an embodiment of the teachings of the Qur'an and the Sunnah of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam. Allah, we ask you to make this entire session, the series that we've had, is sadaqah jariyah. For all those who have contributed in the construction of this masjid, of this madrasa, and who continue to support it, in, in, uh, Ya Allah, those who are alive and those who have passed away. Allah, allow it to become a means of sadaqah jariyah and protection of this entire institution. Allow this tafsir and this majlis dars to become a means of hifadah and shifa for all of our students, for all of our staff members, for our musallis, for our well-wishers, for all those who are connected in any way, shape, or form. Make it a means of shifa from all spiritual, physical, mental, and emotional illnesses, Ya Allah. O oh Allah, we ask you to grant us shifa through the barakah of the Qur'an. Grant us all of us shifa through the barakah of the Qur'an. O oh all those brothers and sisters who are listening live, who are listening at home, those who are listening in, in person, those who will listen onward, uh, afterwards. Ya Allah, make this dars and make these durus and these gatherings and the dhikr and this dua a means of removal of all their stress of their worry of a, a means of fulfilling all their hearts need, and duas and needs Ya Allah Ya Allah every single one of us who is struggling with a sin who is struggling with some weakness Ya Allah grant us the strength and the ability to shun it away completely Ya Allah anyone who is struggling with doubts Ya Allah make it easy for us to overcome those O Allah be it shahwat or shubuhat doubts or desires whatever trials any one of us may be going through or any of our uh, any of our contacts are going through. Ya Allah, we ask you to grant them strength to overcome that, Ya Allah. Subhana rabbika rabbil izzati amma yasifun wa salamun al musaleen walhamdulillahi rabbil adameen. Ameen. So there is tea outside and snacks and also, alhamdulillah, as a reminder that we have, alhamdulillah, restarted our team Fajr. Alhamdulillah, Salatul Fajr is 6.15 a.m. We have a full hot breakfast along with thicker and a talk on spirituality uh, every Saturday morning. So join us live uh, here in, in the masjid or through live streaming. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.